Luke, the fifth chapter. And, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 11. And the word of God says, Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Genesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for from now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Amen. Amen. So today we'll be sharing uh, in a uh, starting a new series called Shift, called Shift, Changing for Impact. Shift, Changing for Impact. And our first uh, installation of this particular series will come from uh, from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, which has been read in your hearing already by our worship leader. Uh, and the text, we want to tag this text today uh, with the topic, do it differently. Everybody say that. Say, do it differently. Do it differently. March 11th, 2020 was the day that I knew that things would never be the same. Wasn't sure what was happening, wasn't sure how things were changing, but I just felt deep down on the inside that the way of life that we once knew was gone and that things on the other side of whatever was causing the world to shut down would be very different. And looking back over the last one year, four months, and two weeks, everyone has had to do things differently. Students have gone to school differently. Employees have had to work differently. Churches have had to worship differently. Family and friends have had to connect differently. Doctors have had to see their patients differently. Almost everything that was normal before has had to be done differently. Over these last 70 plus weeks, many of us have been waiting just to get back to normal, the normal that we knew before COVID showed up. It shook our worlds. Even as the vaccinations and safety precautions have opened up a pathway to a return to normalcy, the truth is, y'all, that what was normal will never be again. In fact, the way we move will have to be different in order to thrive in a post-COVID world. Personally, professionally, relationally, financially, educationally, emotionally, and yes, even spiritually, things will have to be different because of what we have endured and because of what has been exposed. 
We have to learn new ways to exist together. We have to discern what is really important. We have to develop new ways to approach challenges. We have adapted and adjusted in significant ways that despite their discomfort have opened us up to new possibilities for us individually and collectively and require of us to do it differently in the time ahead. However, y'all, this is a challenge for us. That as much as things have changed, if we were honest with ourselves, that we don't really like to change. Can't get no amens on that one. Uh, uh, we, we want our routine back. We, we want our comfort to return. We'd rather retreat into what is familiar than to pioneer into what is unfamiliar. Change, y'all, is a natural part of a life. However, when major change is thrust upon us and disrupts us, we can struggle with managing it. And it's not just the pandemic, y'all, that has caused us to shift. It could have been the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, the loss of some ability. It could have been a change in a close relationship, an unexpected diagnosis, or some other abrupt change that disrupted our comfort and put us in a place that we were required to do things differently. And when we are experiencing the various experiencing rather the various shifts that come along with living life. We can be overwhelmed by the obstacle, or we can decide to that we see the derailment of what was as a chance to do something different. Now, I would dare suggest that this is where our text helps us today. It helps us to see that perhaps when we have come to the place of where we are called to do something differently, we are right in the place where God can change the trajectory of our lives. We are transporting our text. Uh, to a shoreside scene at the lake of Gennesaret where Jesus is uh, continuing the introduction of his ministry and message inaugurating a new paradigm in the movement of God in the history of the world. In Luke chapter 4, after being tempted by the devil in the wilderness, Jesus begins his ministry by giving his ministry mission statement from the scroll of Isaiah in the synagogue of his hometown. <clears throat> After causing an uproar because of his messianic claims, Jesus moves to other towns in the region of Galilee, preaching and healing and casting out spirits. And in the opening verses of chapter 5, he has drawn a significant following, the author says, that is pressing in on him. Jesus, y'all, was doing a lot of good for a lot of people. And like people do, they crowded around Jesus. Not necessarily to hear his heart, but to get from his hand. And I would pause here parenthetically to remind us today that while we've got a lot to praise God for, we should be careful not to get so caught up in what God has done for us or even for others that we spend time chasing God's miracles while missing God's message. That was good. That was good. I got to say that again. We ought not get caught up spending time chasing God's miracles while missing God's message. God has been a way maker for us, but have you heard God's voice on the way which God wants you to go? God has been a healer, but have you heard what God has for you on the other side of the sickness? God has been a provider, but have you paused long enough to hear God's purpose for your life? Crowds come for the miracle, but disciples come for the message. Crowds come for what they can get, but disciples come for how they can grow. Crowds come to be entertained the spectacle disciples engage in serving all i'm suggesting my brothers and my sisters is that the energy of our praise for what god has done for 
us ought to be matched by our effort in pursuing what God wants us to do. Yeah, yeah. This, this is where we find it interesting that the ones that Jesus has chosen to help him continue to preach to the gathered crowd are those who are finishing their shift on the sea. Check the text. Jesus enlists the boat of Simon Peter to become his seaside pulpit as he continues to engage the crowd. Simon and the other fishermen weren't necessarily a part of that crowd, though Simon knew who Jesus was. Perhaps Jesus' use of the boat was a moderate inconvenience to a tired fisherman who was washing his nets after an unsuccessful night of fishing. Jesus' presence in this moment was not an ordinary occurrence. It was a disruption to their normal flow of closing out their workday. Yet Simon obliges Jesus and lets him use his ship. And y'all, perhaps it's this moment that opens up the door that would, uh, that would come uh, to all that would come rather in the life of Peter. Simon Peter and Jesus' relationship is well documented. Simon Peter is perhaps the most well-known of the 12 who would become known as his disciples. It was Peter that walks on water in the midst of the storm. It was Peter that would confess Jesus as Messiah. It was Peter that would be the disciple that would step up to defend Jesus when the chief priest and the temple guard would come to arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's that same Peter that would deny Jesus three times as Jesus was being tried on trumped up charges. It was Peter that Jesus charged with feeding his sheep in one of their post-resurrection conversations. It was Peter who would go on to give the first sermon of the Christian church on the day of Pentecost and become the lead apostle in the church's earliest iterations. We see what Peter became and we find in our text today where it all began. Peter wasn't some great orator or philosopher. Y'all, Peter was a fish men considered to be on the lower end of society in first century Palestine. Peter had no great resumes. He had no great degrees. He had a no great job history that qualified him for what he grew to be. For all intents and purposes, y'all, Peter was a nobody. But as we look at the text, his life changed when he opened himself up to doing something differently. Y'all, I would contend today the same can be true for you and for me. That God can use us beyond the limits that we have placed on ourselves and that others have placed on us. That God can work throughout our lives in powerful ways to have significant impact for God's kingdom. In fact, I believe that God wants to use you exactly as you are. God isn't seeking perfect people. God is looking for willing people. Folks who are willing to try, folks who are willing to trust, folks who are willing to be challenged, folks who are willing to change, folks who are willing to believe, folks who are willing to be open to the possibilities of what could come. We can read the Bible and hear the stories and think that the folks that were, per were perfect and holy since their inception because of where they ended up. But the truth is that they were all jacked up and messed up like us too. Y'all, Abraham was messed up. Moses was messed up. David was messed up up. All of the disciples was messed up. Paul was messed up. Peter was messed up. And we can find hope in the fact that if God can do amazing things through messed up folks in the Bible, then God can do amazing things through our lives today.
okay. Yes, I know you still cuss a little bit and have a drink from time to time. Yes, I know you might roll up every so often or you have made your share of bad decisions. I know everything you listen to isn't, um, isn't holy and sanctified. I know you aren't rich. I know you aren't fully healed. I know you aren't all the way together. I know you are comfortable with the way you have been doing things for all these years. God can handle all of that and all God wants from you is a decision to say I'm going to try things differently. And if you want to see things change in your life, if you want to see things change in your church, in your home, in your family, in your community, you will have to do some things differently. And in fact, this is what we see in our text today. In subtle ways, Simon Peter shows us what it looks like for us to do it differently as he begins his journey with Jesus. So then what do we learn about what is required of us to do it differently? The first thing that the narrative shows us is that doing it differently requires the flexibility to follow. Somebody ought to say that, the flexibility to follow. If you're watching this on Sunday, type it in the chat, the flexibility to follow. If we were to follow the text, in the interaction between Simon and Jesus, we would discover an interesting pattern and progression that takes place. With the crowd pressing in on him, Jesus asks Simon to use his boat as a pulpit. It tells him to put out a bit from shore. And Simon says, okay. Then after finishing his talk with the crowd, Jesus tells Simon to launch into the deep and cast your net for a catch of fish. And hesitantly, Simon says, okay. And finally, at the end of the passage, Jesus invites Simon and the other fishermen to use their skill set to no longer catch fish, but to catch people. And Simon and the crew say, okay, did you catch the progression? In a matter of a couple of hours, Simon goes from seaman to spectator to participant in the mission of God. All right. Isn't it interesting how the Lord works? Rarely. Does God just push God's way into our lives? Often we are compelled to do things differently by a small change that continually leads to something greater. Y'all imagine if Jesus would have went to Simon and just said, listen, I will make you a fisher of men. That probably wouldn't have gone over well. Simon would have been like, what are you talking about? I don't even understand. Uh, and likewise, when it's time to do it differently, if we jump in head first, we will end up overwhelmed. But by taking short strides and small stretches, before we know it, we have found the faith, that flexibility we need to fully walk in the way the Lord would have us to go. This is what the faith journey is all about. Progression of change into personal, into personal and permanent growth. Who we are today isn't who we were yesterday. And who we are now isn't who we will be tomorrow. But that change only happens as we are able to be more and more flexible in our obedience to the Lord. This flexibility, y'all, is further exposed when Jesus asked Simon to sail into the deep water and to cast their nets. Notice when you listen, look at Simon's response in the text, he's initially hesitant because he says, look, uh, look, master, we've been fishing all night and we haven't caught anything. Uh, listen, listen, for these fishermen, they knew how to fish. They knew how it was done. It was conventional practice for fishermen in this region to fish at night in the shallow water. This is how they made their living, and this is why Simon responds the way that he does. They have been fishing all night. They have done all they know how to do, and it's been unsuccessful. What Jesus is asking them to do 
fishing experience. Jesus was asking him to go fishing in the daytime in deep water, but they were just used to going fishing in the nighttime in shallow water. Uh, but fishing in the daytime in deep water hadn't proven to be a successful approach to catching fish based on what Simon and the fishermen knew. And when Jesus asks and makes this request of him in verse 4, Simon has a choice to make. He uh, can either be rigid and reject the idea based on his limited view and expertise, or he can be flexible and try his skill in a new way. And this is the power in Simon's response at the end of verse 5. He says, what? But at your word, I will let down the nets. Simon is flexible enough to follow the direction that Jesus gives, and the result is a catch of fish that overwhelms his boat and blows his mind. And I would venture uh, to say that we can find the strength uh, not only in holding rigidly to what we know, but in being flexible enough to try something different than we are comfortable with and conditioned to believe is best. If we have, and if we've learned anything in the last 16 months, it is that we have to be comfortable with quickly changing circumstances. If we want to change what our lives are producing, if we, we have to be flexible enough to follow the spirit of God when it nudges us to make an adjustment, when it nudges us to change our position or to try something that goes against what we're used to. Uh, because just like Jesus knew where the fish would be uh, and when the fish would be there, God knows exactly where, what, what we need or what we are looking for is going to be. God knows where we can find purpose and impact. God knows where we can find influence and growth. God knows where we can find change and love and joy and peace. But if we decide to stay stuck in what we think we know, if we decide to retreat in who we think we are, if we decide to stay confined to our self-imposed limits, we will miss out on what God has for us. So we have to develop the flexibility to take God and God's word and to follow where the spirit of God is leading us. Not only does text show us today that doing it differently requires us to flex, require the flexibility to follow, but it also requires being conscious of capacity, being conscious of capacity. Check the text in verses 6 and 7. Simon and his fishing partners made their way into the deeper parts of the lake and cast their nets into the sea at Jesus' word. This landed them in a challenging position because the number of fish they caught was overwhelming to their nets and their vessel, and they had to call in some reinforcements. And as soon as they landed on shore, Simon declared himself a sinful man and asked Jesus to leave him. This wasn't just because of the fish, y'all, but Simon had also seen his own mother-in-law and others be healed back in chapter 4. This catch of fish just made it more personal for him. And it's this moment that Simon realizes in real time the limits of his own capacity. He'd been trying to fish unsuccessfully, but with one directed shift from Jesus, everything changed. He couldn't find fish the night before, but then he got some help, and the fish were overwhelming his boat. His boat was sinking uh, because of the size of the catch, and he had to call in more help from another ship. And his final declaration was that he was a sinful man. He didn't have the capacity to handle the holiness of God as seen in Jesus. And, and one of the most humbling and sobering realizations is when we can recognize the reality of our own capacity. Y'all, even at our, at our best, we can fall short. Even when we try our hardest, it cannot, it, it sometimes is not enough. Even when we have exercise 
exercised the greatest level of endurance we can get tired and we can realize that and we realize rather that there's only so much that we can do there's only so much that we can say there's only so much that we can imagine because the capacity in us has its limits there's only so much we can handle there's only so much we can give there's only so much we can take but y'all it's good news in the text too because while the capacity in us is limited, there is capacity beyond us. Simon addresses Jesus using two titles. Before the catch of fish, he calls him master or teacher, depending on the version that you read, recognizing that Jesus has a greater capacity of knowledge to give. And after the catch of fish, Simon calls him Lord, recognizing that Jesus has a greater capacity of authority than he does. He watched Jesus heal sick bodies and cast out demons in chapter 4. He listened to Jesus teach from the bow of a ship. He did what Jesus told him to do when it came to launching out in the deep. And the result was a tremendous catch of fish and a call to a greater, to a mission greater than he could ever imagine. And I dare suggest to us today uh, that we ought to be conscious and, the, and trust in the capacity of God because there are all kinds of limits on what we can do. But y'all, there is no limit. I've been saying it all year. There's no limit to what God can do. Do you not know? Have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God? He is the creator of the heavens and the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired. He will not grow weary. In his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Because even youths grow tired and weary. Even young men shall stumble and fall. But you know the rest of the story. That they that wait on the Lord knew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And it's all because our God's capacity is unlimited. Doing it differently requires us to have the flexibility to follow. It requires us being conscious of capacity. Finally, it requires us practicing the priority. Practicing the priority. Such an overwhelming and astonishing as the author describes happening left Simon, James, John, and the other fishermen who were there uh, with them in a state of awe at the amazing size of the catch of fish. And Jesus says to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And, 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 the, and then it, there was a response to these fishermen, y'all, that caught my attention. Because they didn't say anything. But if you check the text in verse 11, it says that when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The fact that they left everything has always amazed and confounded me. Y'all, they, they left everything. They, they left a full catch of, they had just spent the whole night fishing because this was how they made their living. But they left the fish in the boat. They left their boats and their nets. They left their livelihoods. What happened that day made such a profound impact on them that they decided to leave everything and follow Jesus. Literally, once they became conscious of the capacity of Jesus, they exercised their flexibility to follow him. And it shifted 
what was most important in their lives. And once the shift took place, they practiced based on what had become the priority. And here's a challenge for us today, as individuals and as a church, that we have to practice our priority. Y'all, I, I learned this past week that the word priority was always about one thing being the most important. And it wasn't until the 1940s here in America that our culture moved from having one most important priority to start pluralizing the word and saying priorities. Prior to 19, the 1940s, it was always priority. It was always one thing. And here's what I'm discovering is the issue with having multiple priorities. That when everything becomes important, it means nothing is really important. And this is a problem I see in the general culture and in church culture. Because we can't discern the most important thing because our efforts are focused in trying to make everything the most important thing. Whatever calls our attention in the moment is the most important thing. This is where what these fishermen did helps us today because y'all, it says they dropped everything for one thing. That they dropped everything for one thing. They gave up their vocation and their livelihood for one thing, and that was to follow Jesus. They reordered their lives based on what was most important to them and what was most important to men. And, 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 the, and then and there was a response to these fishermen, y'all, that caught my attention. Because they didn't say anything. But if you check the text in verse 11, it says that when they had bought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The fact that they left everything has always amazed and confounded me. Y'all, they, they left everything. They, they left a full catch of, they had just spent the whole night fishing because this was how they made their living, but they left the fish in the boat. They left their boats and their nets. They left their livelihoods. What happened that day made such a profound impact on them that they decided to leave everything and follow Jesus. The call of family and of friends, above the call of pleasure, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. And if we want to be able to shift what's happening in our world, we have to be willing to shift what's most important to the center of our lives and let that be our guide. We have to lay down our desire to have multiple priorities. We have to set aside living with our minds and our hearts and our spirit divided between what's important because James teaches us that a, a double-minded man, a divided-minded man is unstable in all of their ways. And we have to learn how to put our focus on one thing. And I believe, y'all, that's the wisdom of the psalmist when he declared, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that one thing will I seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. We've got to set our minds like Paul did, forgetting what is behind us and straining toward what is ahead of us and do the one thing that is pressing towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ 
Jesus. We've got to do one thing, setting our minds on things that are above one thing, trusting in the Lord with all of our heart, one thing, leaning and depending and placing our faith fully in God. And y'all, it won't be easy uh, because we won't always get it right. But when we focus on the kingdom of God, it will lead us exactly where we are supposed to be and keep us centered in the will of God. And there's no better example of this than Jesus. Y'all know what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2. He said, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant. He flipped it on his head. He did stuff differently. He was made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man in a human form like you and like me. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Y'all remember that night? It was a Thursday night and Jesus kneeled down in the garden of Gethsemane and he made a decision that he was going to focus Focus on one thing, that not my will, but thy will be done. And he took that trip, he faced that brutality, he, he faced those trumped up charges, he faced all that he had to deal with going before Pontius Pilate and the Roman guard being beaten all night long, being hung on a cross, on Golgotha's hill, stretched and wide and lifted up high with nails in his hands and his feet and pierced in his side and he died yes he died yes he submitted even to death on a cross but the good news is because Jesus decided to do something differently that God then did something differently and God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee ought to bow in, on the earth and below the earth and, and on above the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father all I'm trying to help you see today is that Jesus shows us that we've got to do things differently if we want to shake up our homes we've got to do things differently. If we want to shake up our church, we've got to do things differently. If we want to shift the violence in our community, we've got to do things differently. If we want to shift the culture in our country, we've got to do things differently. We've got to love when folks want us to hate. We've got to show peace and be about peace when others are about war. We've got to walk with gentleness and meekness and kindness, even when uh, folks want to come against us we've got to keep our mouth shut when everybody is talking about us we've got to do some things differently if we want to change and bring the kingdom of God to bear here in the earth and if you want to do it differently today if you're ready to shift your life today if you're ready to shift your home today if you're ready to shift your family today then you want to open up your mouth lift up your hands and give God your best praise. Yeah. Gotta do it differently. 
no more business as usual. We've got to do some stuff. If we wanna, if we wanna reach this community right here, gotta do some stuff differently. What used to work was cool for when it was working, but it might not be working no more. <laughs> so we gotta do some stuff differently. If we ain't catching no fish, maybe we got to change how we fishing so that God can get the glory, so that God can move powerful ways through our lives, through our church, through our families, wherever we go. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you for this moment of beginning for Simon Peter that shifted the trajectory of your life, of, the, of his life. For the example that he sets for us in this text, where we learn and glean about what, how you work and how you move and what we need to do. God, we're grateful that you're a God who does amazing things, who does miracles so great. And God, we want to connect ourselves to your mission. We don't want to just do what we want to do. We want to do what you want to do. Because we know if you're doing it, then it'll be blessed. If you're doing it, then we'll find favor. If you're doing it, then we'll have influence and impact. So God, help us as we start this series. As we've heard this word today, God, help us to, to shift. Doesn't always feel good. Doesn't always resonate with us in the ways that the things we used to do did. But God, open us up to something new. Open us up to a slight change that can make all of the difference. And not just our lives, but in the lives of everyone we meet. God, we're praying today for some man, woman, boy, or girl who is here today. Some man, woman, boy, or girl who may be watching this in the future. We're praying, God, that you would you move on their hearts, God, that they would say yes to you. Say yes to your will, yes to your way. Say yes, I will trust, yes, I'll obey. God, we pray today that your spirit won't leave them alone. That you'll just continue to show up and gently nudge them until they say yes and commit unto you. God, we pray today for one who needs to rededicate their lives. One who needs to get back in step and in touch with you, God, we pray. That this is their moment, that today is their day to do it. That they would say yes. That they would make the shifts necessary to walk in the way you would have them to go. God, we pray for one who may desire to partner their lives with the work that you're doing through our church in this season. We thank you, God. We honor you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. Amen.